we're yeah. starting with some of the best product. Yeah. We only buy the upper 1%, highest grade coffees. Um, and it just gives you, you know, when you're starting with the best, <laughs> keep it simple. That's what I was, what I learned in culinary schools as a chef. Like, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. <laughs> just, if you have something really high end, <clears throat> pay attention to how you're cooking it. Hey Islanders and welcome to episode 121 of the Kameno Voice. Today I speak with the head roaster of Kameno Island Coffee Roasters. Please welcome Brian Morrison. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson and you're listening to the Kameno Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Kameno Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome back to another episode of the Kameno Voice. Um, hey, uh, Merry Christmas soon. Um, we're in that last, you know, month of the year, and, um, you know, things are happening. <laughs> um, this is our busy time in the marketplace, and so uh, a lot more people are coming through. Um, people are shopping for their Christmas gifts for, for their friends and family, and um, it's always a fun time. Um, the the Christmas time always brings out um, the generosity in people, um, and um, you just see that. And with the the customers, I love talking to you guys. And um, so, yeah, it's I really appreciate this time of year. Um, it makes me very thankful for everything that I've been given, um, and just that uh, we can continue to our mission here at the marketplace. So, um, yeah, thank you for letting us do that. Um, yeah, and so uh, just a quick update on the podcast. I've got this episode, and then I've got one more episode next week. Um, and then I'm going to take a break for the rest of December and maybe even that first couple weeks in January uh, to kind of get reset, refocused, and all planned out for the year. Um, but don't worry. This is just going to be a, a small break. Um, I was just looking at my list again of uh, upcoming guests, and it's it keeps growing. And so... Uh, I'm excited to speak to the people I have on there, um, and so the podcast is not ending or anything like that. I'm just probably taking a about a month break as my guess. Uh, there's some work I want to do on the podcast and stuff like that, so um, don't worry. It is coming back. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit of a break. So, All right, so into this episode. Today, um, I spoke with Brian Morrison, as I said in the intro, and he is the head roaster at Kameno Island Coffee Roasters. He's been here for quite a few years at this point. And, um, you know, I was, I was actually here when Brian was first brought on. And I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't working in the coffee roaster. I was working on some other side projects for my dad. Um, but uh, to see where Brian's come from, uh, just getting started and everything to where he is now, um, it, it's so cool. Uh, he's done so much, uh, grown so much with coffee. Um, <laughs> I'll actually say before we had this interview, he was, I was, uh, when we set it up, he was like, oh, I hope I don't get asked too many questions about coffee. Cause I don't know how much I'll know, but like, as we are going into this interview and you'll hear this, you learn so much about coffee, the roasting process, um, and the, how the beans get processed and all that stuff. And in even like the creation of fl flavor, uh, flavor profiles, I learned some stuff that I didn't know. And I was like, man, Brian knows so much more. You know, he's been in it for so many years now and he's gone through some trainings. And um, so it's just really cool, like how much he knows about everything. Um, 
So I'm really excited for you guys to hear about this. It'll give you a new perspective. Uh, I did interview TJ, uh, who's my brother-in-law and owns Commando Island Coffee Roasters. That was like episode two or three, so a while ago now. Um, so you can go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, but this gives you kind of a, a you know a boots on the ground uh, perspective of Commando Island Coffee. And so, um, yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy it. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Brian Morrison. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Kamano Voice. Today, I'm here with the head roaster of Kamano Island Coffee Roasters. Welcome to the podcast, Brian Morrison. Thank you, Brandon. It's good to be here. Yeah. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Brian. Well, um, you know, I, I grew up in uh, the Pacific Northwest down in Portland, but um, originally I was actually born in uh, outside of Detroit in a suburb called Royal Oak, and uh, we moved back to the West Coast when I was three, which is where we stayed in the... Uh, until I was in high school, we moved to California, and uh, was down there till I graduated, and then uh, went to started a school college down in Texas at uh, Stephen F. Austin. Okay. I was playing football down there and got hurt, so then I uh, transferred back and uh, went to Butte Community College up in Orville for two years and played football there, and then decided uh, I didn't really want to play anymore, so <laughs> took some time off and went out and did the work thing for a while, and... Uh, so it was uh, it, it was interesting, you know, going from uh, totally focused on school at a young age and sports to, okay, and getting out in the world. But it was good. Got me kind of headed in the right direction, you know, mm-hmm. kind of got to see different things of going to work full time, you know, at, at a younger age instead of, uh, you know, working part time like everyone kind of does when you're going through college. Yeah. So it was interesting. And then, uh, then I eventually uh, decided... Uh, after a few years of Texas, that I wanted to go back to school and I wanted to get back to the West Coast. So moved back to Oregon and uh, was going to school down there at Western Oregon. It's a good school. And I uh, was coming up here because my parents had got transferred back up here. And I just fell in love with coming up here every weekend and how great the island was. So I moved up here and been uh, in Stanwood Camino for 20 years now. Okay. So, and I really enjoyed it. And about uh, 10 years ago, almost 12, I decided to go back to school and f- get a culinary degree. So I went to, went to Skagit Community College and uh, got my culinary degree in uh, actual cooking. And I also got a uh, whole, uh, restaurant management degree too from there at the okay. same time. So I uh, did that and uh, went to work. Uh, I was working at the college for a while as the, the TA for the culinary department. Okay. And, uh, working as a, in a catering business also at the same time and did that for a few years and then decided to go into back into restaurants where I'd been in and out my whole life and worked for a few local <laughs> restaurants around here and uh, got to a point where I just with family and I was coaching my son's baseball team where it just working weekends wasn't working mm-hmm. so uh, saw an ad one day for to come to the roasters and I said you know it keeps me in the food industry I love coffee and came in and uh, put my app in and got a call back and that's been almost seven eight years now that I've been here so wow I yeah. didn't I didn't realize it was that long now yeah yeah it was about uh, I think when you started back mm-hmm. here is when I came about then and it's been good you know I was real appreciated you know your dad was able to uh, get me in here and just kind of growing and as the company's grown evolved I've kind of you know started out as just a roaster and. Mm-hmm. 
I've moved up and now I oversee all of our production and our mailing of our stuff every day. So yeah, it's been been good. I really enjoyed being here. I love local. I love that you know commute's great. And <laughs> I just like working on the island and I love you know just the area. This has been great. Uh, you know my stepson's really flourished. He came up here when he was first grade and you know now he's junior in high school and you know it's it's been great. You know. Nice. I really love staying with Camino. It's just a great area to live, as yeah. you know, from being here your whole life. Yeah, very cool. So uh, with growing up and kind of moving around then, um, when, as far as like Portland and that stuff, was that, um, how did you like growing up there and kind of living there? Were it, you like in the city of Portland? No, we were outside um, in Tigard, which is just a little bit south of Portland, okay. uh, down the Tigard Beaverton area. Um, it was great. Uh, it was, we moved back there in, I think it was 78, and then we left there in 90. And I, I it was great. You know, Oregon was still a pretty small state at the time when we were there, and we liked to be outdoors, so we did a lot of uh, outdoor hunting and fishing. <clears throat> so it was, it was nice growing up there. Um, but it was time when we left. I was ready for a change. And moving to the Bay Area was good, going to high school there, because I got introduced to a lot of stuff in you know, our school. Everyone was a minority there. We had no, so it was nice, you know. I got to just interact with a bunch of kids, you know. Mm-hmm. I just all my group of friends was just a collective group, and that that was good because that really, you know, you got to. I got to learn a lot about different cultures and people just from that. So yeah, that was very good, and yeah, it was. It's been nice, but uh, Northwest is is our home, you know. My dad's family history goes all the way back to uh, his. Uh, great-great-grandfather came out on a wagon train after wow. he had gone and worked in the... <laughs> yeah, he had gone down and worked in the gold fields in California, made enough money, went back, and brought the family out. So and they settled in outside of uh, Salem in the Silverton Hills. Okay. That's where my dad grew up on a farm. And then my mom, her family got to the West Coast during the Great Depression. They lost their farm in Nebraska, and mm. we had relatives out here, so they moved west, so... It's kind of interesting. My family got out here doing the big two migrations <laughs> to the West Coast. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So then, um, then growing up, when you then you moved to California, how did you like that transition-wise from having the, like, I don't know. A lot of people struggle back and forth with the like the Northwest. There's a lot of that like overcast and stuff like that. How was that for you moving to California? <laughs> it was awesome, you know, because yeah. I was. Uh, played baseball and football so baseball is awesome because we could play year-round uh, <laughs> as soon as football got over in november it was we played baseball you know four games a weekend so that was awesome uh you know we were, i was actually talking to my parents over the weekend about that when we were, you know it was hard waking up every day oh it's another sunny day outside and the bay has good weather so and we were in the east bay so it was it was a great place yeah know? uh I don't know if I'd want to live there now with how expensive it's gotten. You know, <laughs> most of my friends that I went to high school with are starting to slowly move away because of the, yeah. the price. Yeah. But uh, I still like to go down there when I get a chance. Yep. Because it's a great area. Yep. Yeah. Washington's trying to move that way too with the expenses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. We're we're slowly getting there. So. Nice. So, um, so through school and stuff, you said you were doing a lot of sports. You were doing baseball and football primarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that something you were planning on, like, taking as far as you could go, as far as, like, because you said you went to school in yeah. Texas. My whole goal was just to play in college. Okay. Growing up, I just, you know, I just wanted to play in college. Um, it was a lot different back then. It was hard to get recruited. There wasn't as much 
services. I got asked to walk on at a, at a school in Texas, so I did. And unfortunately, I got hurt the first day and oh, no. messed up my knee. So I kind of came home and just had surgery and then recouped and had an opportunity. I had some friends that were out uh, in Northern California at the school, and they were you know, one of the best in the nation. So I decided to try that. And I had some offers to play at some smaller schools uh, up here in the Northwest after that. But I was just kind of ready for change in life. And, you know, I wasn't into the workout so much in the off season. So yeah. it was time to, time to move on. Yeah. So during that time then, what were you going to school for? Uh, at that time, when I first started, it was actually forestry is what I wanted to go into. I'd taken okay. forestry classes in high school and was really interested in that and kind of was headed that direction. And then uh, after I took the break and went to work, I realized that, you know, getting a business degree would be probably better for me. So that's why when I went back to Western, I was in business. And then when I came here, I wanted to, that's when I originally went to culinary school was to do the business side to, you know, so I just had the degree and learned Mm -hmm. that. And I'd worked on and off in restaurants growing up. So, you know, I kind of understood how to cook and everything pretty well. And I really had a good, just knack for doing it. And so I just kind of fell in that, Hey man, I should stick with the cooking for a while. And, it was fun. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, the restaurant industry is, is uh, like, a, I think it's a fascinating industry, but I think there's a lot of uh, romanticism about it. <laughs> but, like, from an outside perspective, as soon as you walk through the doors, it's just yeah. nose of the grind. It's so much work. It, it really is. Um, you know, and it just, it's hours of busyness fall by okay we're slowed down but then you got to prep you got to clean and so yeah eight nine hour shift in a restaurant it just it grinds on you yeah it's a lot of fun i worked with, i've worked with a lot of great people through the years that had some fun learned a lot you know got to work with a lot of guys that had different backgrounds and where they'd worked at restaurants so I learned a lot of stuff uh learned a lot from my instructors up at skagit they were really awesome instructors uh you know Gil Rodriguez is still up there, and he I worked for him, and uh, I can't speak enough. He's probably one of the best <laughs> chefs in the state, you know. Uh, he just just has a knack for if you give him anything, give him 10 minutes, he'll come up with a five-star meal on the spot. <laughs> and it's It's been impressive, you know, working with, with him with catering. We did some different caterings here and there, but, you know, it was always – where are we going? And all right, this is another adventure. So yeah. that's why I really liked the catering for that sense is that every time it was always new, you know, cause we'd, we'd prep at our central kitchen, but we'd go out and okay. A lot of times I'd see the event venue that day and then, mm-hmm. okay, how I got to come up with a plan because I would handle front of house for him. So, uh, you know, how am I going to handle, what am I going to get my wait staff to do? And then just, you know, get that set and just start getting everything prepped for dinner and, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Was the catering, was that separate from Skagit? Yeah, it was uh, through my instructor. He had his catering company because we were younger and stupid. So, you know, we'd work a full work week. And why not go do a couple caterings on a weekend, you know? And we did that for for four or five years of going on the weekends. And then finally... (laughs) You know, he's got, he had younger kids and they got to an age where we both were like, okay, this just isn't working anymore. So we kind of stopped doing it. And then he kind of sold all this stuff to one of our, one of the students. So that was nice. And she's, she still does stuff out of Arlington and is going strong. So 
it's kind of neat to see, you know, someone that kind of came in and I taught a little bit and then worked with us that was able to move on and start her own company and be very successful yeah. with it. So. Yeah. Yeah, caterers definitely got hit over the last year. They had to pivot a lot in what they were doing. Yeah, they did. And luckily, I, she was all right because, you know, I, her husband had the job. So she was able to weather it and get going again. But, yeah, it was really tough. I had a, a lot of friends that got out of the industry completely, but I also had a lot of friends that just stuck with it and just, you mm-hmm. know, they had some down months and they're all back working again and, and enjoying it. So yeah. it was good, you know. We talked to a few of the restaurateurs here in our complex, and I know that, it was tough for them for a while. And yeah. Got really stressful, but they all just weathered through it, and which is awesome because we've has we have some of the best eating choices we've ever had around here. Yeah. You know? It used to be oh, there's only a handful of things. I got to go somewhere else, and now when I have my friends want to come up from that live down south, it's like no, guys, I got a local place that's good, and yeah. So that has been one of the areas that has really grown, and I think <clears> through the commons has really helped that because we have a great little little spot here to come and hang mm-hmm. out and i know during the summer especially a lot of the tourists find us and and love it and the locals you know yeah. we kind of like the winter around here because <laughs> everyone kind of goes away and it slows down and we can get back in our favorite spots yeah but it's been nice you know bait cafe is excellent and so is tapped and um brooklyn brothers you know they everyone knows about them from their everett location yeah but uh both all all three of those restaurants are awesome places to go eat and yeah. hang out. Yeah. No, it's nice to have uh good options okay. and um yeah, I think <clears throat> uh actually Stanwood Camino has actually like really gotten a lot better food options in the last probably not even like probably the last 10 years yeah. or so. Um, cuz leading up to that I just felt like there was not a lot of options. <laughs> you you're right, you know, we had just you know, you had your Jimmy's Italian and, yep. and your um, couple Chinese restaurants and your teriyaki places and your mm-hmm. Mexican restaurant. That was it. And a couple fast food. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And now, you know, we can go get the gastro pubs type food at several places. You know, you got sale in town that's really good. And it just, it makes it nice, you know. Yeah. It's, Stanwood's growing a little bit more than I like, but with it. <laughs> We've gotten more options, yeah, and it still kept that small town feel. You know, I still wave to people every day as I'm driving to and from work that I know, and that's what I really like about <clears throat> Stanwood Community. It's just it is a good hometown. Mm-hmm. We still have that farming community base. You know, we, it's good watch the fields be plowed. You know, every spring and watch them come up and mm-hmm. watch them be harvested in the fall and be able to have the option to go talk to a farmer. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that. You don't get to see where your food comes from. Right. Here we can go to any numerous farms and they got their stands and the person you're talking to is the person that grew the produce or stuff. And I know we have the farmer's market here (laughs) and it's growing. We've got a lot more little farms here on the island now Mm -hmm. that's just are putting out some excellent product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think um, especially uh, just looking at like food in general across the U.S. And I know that's been a conversation in the news right now um but that's one thing being very fortunate living in the specifically in washington is especially in this area we have so much food that's produced here that you can go get your milk locally you can get your cheese locally you can get your bread locally you can get all your basics right here yeah yeah and that that is that is great you know my wife's a teacher up in mount vernon and one of her students parents own the bread farm and 
she didn't realize who the bread farm was, even though I, I brought the stuff home for years. Mm-hmm. And she's like, do you know about this bread farm place? I was like, oh, yeah, it's some of the best bakery around. Like, these guys make some of the best breads. Yeah. And she got some the other day, and she's like, she did some Danish. And she's like, this is so great. And I was like, I know. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, both my wife and I have worked for the bread farm. Okay. Uh, they're family friends of my wife. Okay. So she's known them for years. Yeah. Yeah, great, great people. And yeah, yeah. So my wife said, you know, this is the first one I think of their kids she's taught, and she's just done great things so far with her interactions with them, and just yeah. how down to earth and <clears throat> people they are. And you know, she was out in Bow the other day, and she didn't realize, you know, that whole area out there, how much business was around. I was like, oh yeah, I've been, you know, yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah. It's interesting. She's been here. Gosh, I was telling you, just turned seventeen, so twelve years now they've been up here, and yeah. She's there all the time, just like, wow, this is here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they do a great job with a lot of what they do. And, um, yeah, they're, they're a cool company. Um, so then when you were getting into culinary and getting into the restaurants and stuff, what was, did you specialize at all or did you kind of just go generic? I was just kind of generic. Um, I've always been good with, with your protein cooks. Like when I, when we catered a lot of times, uh, I was responsible for all, <laughs> cooking of all fish and a okay. lot of the proteins because I just had a knack. So as you were fish, just I guess growing up here, you know, dealing with going up eating trout and salmon, we were always always cooking it. So that was kind of I guess you could say I'm kind of Northwest fair food. But my main thing is I'm more I can make some of the the higher end stuff and plating is my only thing I've never been good at. I don't have the art eye. But when it comes to making it, no problem. But I really enjoy making just home type food, a lot of sandwiches, soups, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of really right in my wheelhouse what I enjoy cooking. Yeah, nice. Um, so <clears throat> then, when you were working in that, um, how long did did you work in the restaurant industry? Oh, on and off my whole life, well over ten years. You know, it was, okay, because I worked dishwasher jobs that I did some prepping off and on and then almost seven, eight years solid where I was in the restaurants. So Okay. Long enough to know that it was time to look for something normal hours and like I said, still stay in the food and I was <clears> glad <throat> to move into coffee because it's it is a lot like cooking, you know. It's yeah. a lot of the same principles and it still keeps me involved with, with food and being creative, so that's that's the nice thing about it. Nice. Very cool. So, um, you know, I think people have an, a, a general idea of, like, roasting coffee just mm-hmm. from, like, you stick it in the roaster and yeah. it roasts. Um, but can you walk us through kind of the, the all the steps of the roasting process? All right. It's it's a pretty, you know, simple process. Um, obviously, we procure our gr- green bean, which is, you know, basically just a dried out bean. So that it, when it's picked, it comes as like a, what they call a cherry. So like an outer fruit because we're getting the seed. Mm-hmm. And then that is that is dried. And then they use a, a husky machine that gets knocks the cherries off. And then there's either a natural, which we buy half our coffees are natural. They're just dried. They'll just put them out. A lot of people just put them right on the ground, concrete slabs, mm-hmm. some countries or bigger producers will have elevated beds that are like um, a mesh material that just sits there so they get air on them but a lot of the countries still especially like central america they'll just put it on the ground and just dry it that way Mm -hmm. and then so we'll get it in that state 
and uh, there's so there's the there's a natural and there's also a wash process. It's kind of the two big ones where they just kind of wash it and gets knocks off a lot of the little dust that comes on the coffee. Okay. And then we'll get it in the green state, mm-hmm. and then uh, we're lucky. We run a we don't we do an automated we our roast is an automated program, which I find is the most consistent. Um, you know, we do do some manual roasting where you're you know going by color and and time. Which does work, but for consistency to get it the same every time, the auto, you know, the computer's smarter than you are. Yeah. Because it, 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 it can adjust the temperature a lot faster than you can when you're manually. So it'll go in and what it'll do is um, we'll drop the coffee at around 400, 410 degrees. And then it'll, it'll drop down for about two minutes to get your bottom out. And then what happens in there is you go through a couple minute period where it's, where it's basically finishes drying the coffee out where it takes the rest of the water that is still in the bean and gets gets it out converts it over to sugar sometimes depending on what what uh, how long it's down at that point you know just depending what you're looking for because we'll get the coffee and green beans when we get them they'll have seven eight different flavors that's in that bean Mm -hmm. and what you're looking for is okay which ones do i really want that flavor and then you kind of tailor your roast profile to that okay so it'll it'll kind of highlight what you're looking for so if you want something boy this coffee has a lot of like um, raisin or what uh, chocolate's a big big one yeah okay let's highlight that so you know we kind of our buyers kind of help us pick our coffee to get us they know what we want from year to year so they try to keep our flavors the same so we don't have to have anything that's really different Every once in a while we will, and that's what we do for our coffees of the month. Is yeah. We'll run a different one. So then you'll get, you know, the little bit where you're roasting, you get to the dry out process, and then there's a, there's a critical time kind of in the middle of the roast, around the five, six-minute mark, where you're building your flavors. Like I said, where you're picking, where it kind of, you decide on your airflow, which uh, will just help keep the temperature blowing the air, because we use indirect heat, so ours... Our heat isn't, the barrel doesn't get any direct flame. It's just has two uh, radiant burners that heats the whole inside of the roaster and yeah. the air pushes the hot air okay. into the into the bean. Mm-hmm. And then it'll, we'll build the, the flavor from there in that, that critical point. And then that usually gets you up to about your first crack. And that's when the, the outer bits, the little bit that's left kind of cracks off. And then uh, you're just kind of from there, you're just... Deciding, okay, how dark do I want to go? How, you know, because that'll change the flavor a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. if you, you the darker you go, makes it a little bit smokier um, on most coffees, and it also just uh, sometimes you go a little bit darker, you get a little bit longer shelf life on it. If you take it really dark, mm-hmm. we tend to um, take ours not as dark as other producers. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, our mediums are probably a little darker than some people. Same with our lights. You know, we've tried going lighter, and people really don't like it because yeah. you get, you know, we get when we taste our coffee, it's a cupping stage, which they probably pull it out at four ten, four twenty degrees, and it is so. There's so many you've had it for. There's so much in there. <laughs> it's so complex. Yeah, where you're just like, it's good, but there's just there's too much going on in there. Yes. Yeah. And then that's why when you decide, okay, well, we're going to go to this temp, and that also helps you highlight what 
what you're looking for in that bean. Right. And a lot of times it's trial and error. I was lucky that we had established, a, you know, when I started, we, the, you guys had, Jeff had been at it for over 10 years and we mm-hmm. had a good process and good baselines to start with. We finally just have upgraded to newer software, which we'll be installing on both. We have two roasters. We saw on our other one after the first of the year. It gives us more <clears throat> leverage to play with stuff. So mm-hmm. that when, when the weather is a little bit wonky, humidity's up, we can back something down, run it a little bit longer. Because let's you know, right now we can only really adjust thirty second increments. Yeah. Now I'll be able to go back into six seconds. So I can really wow m- maneuver it to let it to let it uh, adapt to the conditions. Because you know, some days you know, if you do taste our gosh, sometimes it is a little bit different tasting. Some of that's just different lot numbers, different, different producers, you know, but it tends to be, you know, weather can affect it a little bit in the roasting process. And we don't tend to monkey with it too much because I just, you, you can mess stuff up and right. You know, it gets expensive every time, you know, you're (laughs) roasting 50 pounds of beans. And if you mess up, you know, you're at a couple hundred dollars down the drain because, Oh, whoops. (laughs) So with this new automation, we'll be able to tailor it a little bit more and just have us more playroom. So like when we get an unusual coffee that we may never had before, which we've been doing a lot in the last couple of years, we're able to, you know, we'll start with one of our base profiles and we'll go ahead and look, okay, where, where is this country located? Okay, it's here. It's kind of similar to, the, you know, this other country next to it. Where, what altitudes it growing at? Because that that has a lot to do with it. The higher it is, usually you want to go a little bit lighter on your coffee. So, you know, it gives us a good baseline to go off of. And I guess that's the thing is just trying to be consistent. You know, there are some companies that specialize in, you know, it, they change it up constantly. Yeah. And they do a lot. You know, then you're usually doing smaller <laughs> roast batches. Yeah. But uh, we've been, we're pretty good at staying consistent. And yeah. That's what I think our customers really enjoy. Is it, you know, every day when they get up to have their coffee, it's that familiar taste. Yeah. And our other big thing is that we try to get our coffee out within 48 hours of being roasted. Mm-hmm. Um, I find anything, you know, we've, you could roast it in the same day, but it really, the flavor's mm-hmm. lacking because it needs to degas and let some of the gases come out of the coffee, which gets the oils out, which really is where you're getting your flavor yeah. in the coffee. So we try to um, get them out within 48 hours. You know, most time it's 24. So when you get our coffee with, you know, if you buy it here, you're getting it within a couple of days, mailed to you within five days of it being roasted. So yeah. it's, a, it's a, probably the best it's going to taste for about a month to two months. You can go up to probably about six months with our coffee, but anything more than that, your quality falls off. Yeah. Um, if you grind it, you get about a month. Whole bean will last longer, as long as you keep them. And that's like the main thing is you just as long as you keep them. I just put mine in a Tupperware container at home. Make sure the lid's on it tight. Put it in the shelf that only gets open every day when we make the coffee. Yeah. So it does not get in the light because the light can mess it up. And you just, you know, that makes the biggest difference. I think is yeah. a lot of people uh, put it in the freezer. We don't recommend that. I know in the past that has there's some new studies coming out of some freezing options for coffee Hmm. that are just starting to come online that i've been reading about that could change how we think about that process but okay from how we've always done it it just doesn't 
you know, because plus you're going to pick up the smells in the freezer and other things. Yeah. But, you know, drinking your coffee at its peak is, is you're going to get the best experience. You know, we've all had that bad cup where who knows how long that coffee's been sitting and you get it. It's like, there's not something right. You know, it just <laughs> has an off taste to it. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest, you know, it's just, is just working with the best about roasting, I think, is just working with our uh, suppliers, our wholesalers, and our importers to get a good quality product. We're yeah. starting with some of the best product. Yeah. We only buy the upper 1%, highest grade coffees, um, and it just gives you, you know, when you're starting with the best, <laughs> keep it simple. That's what I was, what I learned in culinary school as a chef. Was, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. <laughs> just if you have something really high end, <clears throat> Pay attention to how you're cooking it. Yeah. And just leave it simple. And that's what we do here at uh, Community Coffee is that we just simply roast the coffee and keep it as consistent as we can to give you the the ultimate because we're buying such good stuff that you don't need to flavor it or anything else. So if you just want to have a nice black drip coffee or a French press, it's good quality to start with. Yeah. Yeah. I think... um, one of the things when it comes to our coffee that I talk to when I'm talking to our customers is um, <clears throat> you talked about the range of our light and our dark roast coffees. And I always tell people, I feel like the goal of Kamano and Coffee Roasters um, is that when you drink a cup of coffee, whether it's a light or a dark roast or anything in between, it tastes like a good cup of coffee. It tastes like coffee. Yeah. Um, I've had some of these <laughs> light roasts from these third wave roasters, and it's really cool that they can do it. Yeah. But it, some of the coffees you get, you taste them, and you're like, that's a tea. That's not yeah. a coffee. It's yeah. so bright and, like, yeah. fruity and floral. Yeah. And you're like, that's not what coffee tastes like. You know, and I, I always feel that way, too, when we get a lot of these, and we'll be doing the tasting. We used to do before COVID was cupping. So basically you just put your grinds in a cup, simple as it is, pour hot water over it, just let it sit. And then you'll come back in with a spoon, and it gets a little crust. And you break that crust off and get the... Because the grinds all float to the top, scrub that off, and then that's what you drink. Yeah. And, you know, you do it with the spoon, you're sipping, but we had to kind of stop doing that because we said that wasn't good. So now we've gone to more of a pour-over type method to taste our coffees. But you're right, half the time I get them, I'm like, well, we'll be sitting around the room, you know, because we'll bring When we do our tastings, I usually start with uh, myself, TJ, our owner, will come in, and then um, a, my assistant roaster, who's really good at his job, Will, will come in, and we'll, we'll taste them. And then we bring in the whole staff mm-hmm. and get everyone's opinion. If When we get down to, okay, we're thinking about we want to buy this. What's everyone think? Because everyone's taste buds are different. And yeah. I always have that problem when we drink a lot of these bright ones. Like, this is a tea. And it <laughs> smells like tea when, I, when I'm brewing it. And I'm just like, I thought this was coffee. But, uh, yeah, that's... We try to, I try to take everyone's opinion. We always do because it's just everyone's taste buds are different. Yeah. Some people have uber sensitive taste buds. Other people's don't. And so we kind of just try to get a good consensus because a lot of times, like even when we're testing new roast profiles, I may like it, Mm -hmm. but five other people don't. Right. So, you know, even though technically I could just say, hey, I'm the head roaster. This is the way we're going. (laughs) That's no good if. You know, if one of a, out of six of us like it, right, probably not going to sell too well. Yeah. So we try to always get as many people as we can just to try it. You know, I pull you guys over every once in a while because yeah, you know, you've been at this since 
since your dad started the company mm-hmm. and, and have tasted a lot of coffee <clears throat> and it just gets into the perspective you know like i drink my with with cream i'm americano drip person yep um, some of our other people are into french press we have a cold one of our uh, customer service people loves cold brew and used to be a barista so she's helped us start <clears throat> tailoring our roast more to that you know which of one of our roasts is is the best for that so that's that's helped a lot and we're always trying to learn yeah which is which is interesting you know we're just kicking around ideas a lot of times we'll go to classes we've done some classes some seminars and just talking to people yeah you know because it's sometimes i think people get too hoity-toity about coffee (laughs) that's one thing i was told when i started here you know we're we're not that kind of company we're into more about our relationships with our customers and making sure our customers have a great experience than being like, hey, no, you're wrong and we're right. Yeah. You know, because we get customers all the time that don't like something and we do our best to fix it, replace it, get them something they might like better. Uh, Our customer service team is awesome with that. They're all ex-baristas, so they really know how to make coffee, how coffee should be done. And we just try to you know, work with our customers because mm-hmm. in the day, if they're not happy, we're not happy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you also brought up the whole, um, keeping it a very, uh, keeping it simple. Yeah. And I think, um, when I think back in like restaurants and stuff like that, some of the best restaurants I've been to, um, you get the plate and it's not, you know, if you go to like Applebee's or something, it's like the, <laughs> the wombo combo burger and yep. it's got like 200 different things on it. And you're yep. like, I, I, I always go for those because I'm like, when am I going to try this again? Exactly. But if you actually go to a nice restaurant that has good quality, yeah. it'll be very basic. Yeah. And you'll just take your first bite and you're yeah. like, wow. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's all about showing off your technique, how, how your cooking skills. And same with roasting. You know? And I know there's tons of coffee out there. You know, we buy our competitors' coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, if I see something, you know, I look at a few different weekly publications and daily publications and... Uh, like I found one in Texas the other day that was uh, wood still using wood fire to roast their coffee. So I was like, well, I got to try that because <laughs> I know there's a handful. There's one in Spokane that still does mm-hmm. it, but there's only a handful. There's a couple mm-hmm. in San Francisco. So I bought it, and it was it was different. I bought I ended up buying an Indonesian coffee that I'd never had. So, but it it was kind of what I expected. It had a good smoke flavor to it. It was different. It wasn't something I'd say I'd want all the time. Yeah. But it was cool to have every once in a while and yeah. just see their take on it. And that's what's kind of fun is that you meet other roasters and buy other people's product and okay this this is cool you know and yeah we're we I guess I've never been that way where I'm just like our stuff is the greatest ever yeah you know I know we have great product and we do a great job with it but there's other people out there doing the same and, yeah you know I think it's just that it's great that we have so many choices now for this stuff you know it used to be when I was a kid you know you went to the grocery store there was your Folgers or you know your name brands and that's what you drank and yeah. Now there's so many choices that you can really find something that really fits you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm the same way when it comes to uh, bakery and our, uh, like, you know, espresso and stuff like that. Like I love um, <clears throat> when my wife and I go on vacation and stuff or with the family, like I love stopping in the shops that are like ours because yeah. like that's the sh- shops I would normally stop in. Yeah. Um, and I mean, then I get to see what they're doing, how they do it. Um, but like stopping at bakery and stuff like that's what I do. I stop, we stop at every bakery we can, you know, along the way. And so, um, and yeah, we found some really, really good ones and stuff and it's great because you're, 
you're coming from a place of understanding what it sh- yeah. a good one should taste like. Yeah. Um, and so you can always base it and you're like, yeah. okay, this is good. Like, yeah. yeah so, you know, and every once in a while, I'm sure you guys do the bakery, you'll have something and you'll come back and be like, Hey guys, I had this. And you explain to them kind of what's, can we do something mm-hmm. like that? And it, it gets everyone kind of excited, you know, cause otherwise, yeah, as we all know, work can just be, Oh, same thing, different yeah. day, Groundhog's Day. Yep. And it, it's good every once in a while to be able to throw in some fun stuff like that and yeah. get creative juices going. <clears throat> That's why I really like the, working in a small company because if I have something I want to try, we just go do it. You know, the, um, TJ's very open just to let me try stuff. Um, you know, he's always open when I come to him with like, hey, we want to try a new process or we want to change how we're doing this. Yeah. You know, usually I'll get together. I have, an, I have a great team working for me. Um, the girls that work for us, the ladies are awesome. Uh, our head of our shipping that runs our day-to-day shipping, Vaughn, has been with the company since your dad started in the yep. barn. <laughs> and it, there's still stuff today that I'll go to her and say, Vaughn, have you seen this before? Oh, yeah. And, and she's such a great asset to have someone like that that's just been with us from day one that, she can remember stuff that no one else does, you yeah. know, and it makes it, it makes it fun. You know, yeah. we've got a really great team and I, I it makes my job a lot easier. Yeah. You know, like when I'm going to be out of town for a couple of days, I don't have to worry like stuff. I can give them a loose plan. And when I come back, everything's been run perfect. You know, there's always weird stuff comes up, but they plow right through it. And it makes it, it makes it fun every yeah. day to come into work. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I, I I also find that's the <clears throat> the fun of working in, you know, owning but working with a small yeah. business inside of that. You get to try new things and experiment things. And, yeah. um, you know, Barry's come up with some new different ideas and he'll just throw it out there and he's like, well, let's just try this and yeah. throw it together. And, um, you know, that's how like the Everything Craigle was born <laughs> and, and stuff. And that's been like a huge seller ever since he did it. So, um, yeah, I love the experimentation and, yeah. and that ability. Yeah. And it's, it's been fun because we've really grown in that way since I've been here. You know, just obviously the whole company's grown. Yeah. The marketplace has grown, you know, from where it was mm-hmm. when you guys first opened it to where it is now. Yeah. Like, I always recommend it to people. And there's still people that don't realize we're here. There's still people ask me, like, where do you work? And I say, Camino. Is that on Camino? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you drive right. You, and I explain, well, you know, Terry's Corner right there. Yeah. They're like. That's where you guys do it. I'm like, yeah, that's where we do it. Yeah, you know, we still have people come in today. They're like, how much? You know, like other roasters, especially. We just had one in the other day, and they were like, how much are you guys doing a day? And I'm like, <laughs> about 1,500 pounds a day. You know, we roast batches of 50, so you know, it's an eight-hour roast, and it's uh, you know, we could go with the bigger, but I really find that that 50 pound really still keeps us on the small side. Yeah, and. and it still gives you some of that artist and feel to what you're doing every day instead of, you know, pumping out like some of these bigger roaster companies, like a cascade down at Everett. They're roasters. You can walk inside. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, yeah. Very cool. So there's two favorite uh, coffee questions I want to ask you. The first one is what is your favorite like standard coffee that we, that we do? Mine that I drink, I'm a big fan of our Columbia. I guess it, it just, Growing up drinking Colombian coffees because that's kind of what everyone had. It just has that reminds me of just childhood. You know, seeing my grand, seeing smelling the coffee because my grandpa would Colombia. You know, I'd when I stayed with him, I'd hear the 
grinder come on every morning at 6 a.m. Because he just <laughs> was always up at 6, even when he retired, buzzing that coffee and that smell. So when I when I hear the pot go off in the morning, because I'll admit I'm lazy, I don't get up every morning, grind my coffee. <laughs> Everything's preset. So at 5.30, the coffee machine kicks on, and I, <laughs> I can smell it. And But I do like... Um, I love our African coffee is a really good one. Same yeah. with, like, I love Ethiopian. Yeah. But that city level one is so high, I can't mm-hmm. drink a lot of it yeah. before, you know, it starts bothering me. And it's a shame because that is, you know, the blueberry notes and stuff you get out of Ethiopian is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, really kind of got into the Mexico that we've been getting, you know. Yeah. It's getting easier to find. The first year we did it, <clears throat> it was hard to get. It's starting to get more popular and... It reminds me a lot of, uh, I know a lot of people like Guatemalan coffee. I find it to be a little earthy for me. And the Mexico is a little bit less earthy, you know, because mm-hmm. it's growing right down in the southern part of Mexico. So right, right, be similar to growing conditions in Guatemala. So they're real similar, but yet different. <clears throat> yeah. So that's one that I've really kind of, when we have it, I drink a lot of it. Yeah. Um, we're hoping we're going to have it all, all the time now. Um, we're still working on getting... Make sure we can secure a good source for it. But uh, we got a few things we'd like to try, you know, maybe a light and a dark on that. Yeah. We've messed around with in the past that we're pretty close on. Um, and our new holiday coffees are going to be, we've got to, for the first time, um, our holiday medium is going to stay the same. It's a Papua New Guinea base that we've done for years. Yeah. But we decided um, to try something new for the dark side this year. And it's going to be a... Um, uh, it's gonna have Papua New Guinea in it, uh, some Honduras, and some Sumatra this year. So okay. kind of kind of going all over the board on countries of origin. Uh, yeah, it seemed to blend real good. It's got a good chocolate taste to it. Uh, Will, I'll give credit to Will. Will came up with that one, and uh, he was kind of messing around and had had an idea. And I was like, he kind of ran by me. I was like, run with it. Let's let's try it. It it makes sense. The flavor notes should work together, and it. It came together, so I'm really hoping people like it. Um, we've done a Brazil-based dark in the past, and I like Brazil. It's a great coffee. It's a, it's what you know, it's a, like a body coffee. You know, good espresso blend will have, which ours does. But it's you know, to me, it was lacking a little bit of excitement. Yeah. For, you know, getting a holiday. So this one, I think, I think has a little bit more flavor to it this year, and uh, I'm hoping everyone loves it because uh, if not a Guess you guys can yell at me <laughs> when you send your coffee back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then what is your favorite coffee of the month? Some of those rotating ones that you guys have brought in. Uh, really, like I said, the Mexico. Uh, what, uh, what other ones do we have that were kind of interesting? Um, we, we did a lot of Sumatra, Indonesian coffees, <clears throat> which um, some I like, some I don't. Um, we did Rwanda, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. And we did it on the light side, um, just because it was a little bit different on the African coffees. We uh, Congo has been pretty good. Uh, yeah, this this lot of Congo this year was a lot better than we had gotten the previous year. And, yeah, you know that that happens from year to year. Like I said, that's where our our providers really work with us to try and help us get what we're looking for flavor wise. So I guess the Africans have been the ones I want. You know, I wish. We only do organic and fair traded, so <clears throat> it kind of limits us sometimes on what we can right. get. Um, I would love to do Kenyan, but we just no one does it. Uh, there's a couple of like Miramar has a really good coffee, but they aren't doing organic. Yeah, um, 
we've been trying, we've tried the Chinese coffee. I, I see that they're probably going to get serious about it, which I haven't looked, but I know that the coffee has grown over there in popularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really started with Robusto, which is the bush coffee, and now they've grown more Arabica's coming in. Just isn't quite there yet. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting. I also saw that Vietnam is going to have its first uh, Arabica beans. Okay. They uh, just graded them, and they look like they did pretty good. So that'll be interesting to see those countries come online with coffee. Um, and I also am kind of excited. I'm hoping we can get our hands on some Yemen coffee. Okay. It looks like their stuff stabilized a little bit over there. They just had a coffee grading competition, and they had... Over 100 producers send in product, and they all scored really well because that's obviously one of the origins of coffee. So it yeah. would be kind of cool to be able to get some of that here in the future. So, yeah, you know, we're always looking for that kind of stuff to <clears throat> nice. keep trying. So I guess I I always like trying something new, I guess, right. is what I'm saying. You know, so that's why I, I do like that we keep that coffee of the month changing. Yeah. Uh, we're probably looking this year. I think we're going to keep the ones we had last year because it's just – just wasn't a lot available. Um, so we had some weather conditions in certain parts of the world that kind of messed things up. And just securing coffee has been kind of tricky this year with, right. the, with the COVID and the shipping concerns. <clears throat> so far, knock on wood, we haven't had too many issues. We had one issue getting some Ethiopia, but we were able to find some from a, from another supplier and because everyone was waiting on the same boat yeah it's finally got here so our stuff's sitting in our warehouse which made me feel a lot better because <laughs> it was it was a little stressful there for a little bit of oh my gosh this is something we have to have because our espresso has to have it yeah because that is really brings that coffee together when you make it an espresso shot with it mm-hmm. very cool all right well i like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions oh no <laughs> so the first one is what purchase of a hundred dollars or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months i'm pretty boring i'm probably gonna say the new socks i just bought to head up to the woods this weekend with my dad uh, and uh his buddy who they've been hunting and fishing together for <clears throat> whew, i'm all in mine now 46 so 40 42 years okay so it'll be kind of fun i only get to see dave once a year so looking forward to that but yeah probably these new socks nice i went and bought some nice merino wool ones oh there you go like, yep i was like all right yep it's kind of boring as you know when you have kids in the family right <laughs> <laughs> yep no i uh um i think it was last year that like um i started looking at like merino wool socks and stuff like that and they're just yeah they're great yeah they're a lot less like the the full bulk of the normal wool yeah. <laughs> so where you have to get a whole shoe size bigger to fit yeah. them <laughs> Yeah, the problem is I remember when I first started getting them about 20 years ago, I think it was five, six bucks a pair. Yes. And I was like, paid like almost 30 bucks uh-huh. Saturday. I was like, holy smokes, these have gone up. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. What would the first day look like here? Uh, when I have people come up, uh, usually the first thing we do is we head out to the state park mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of hang out out there um, in the mm-hmm. afternoons. Usually go over to like Anacortes or La Conner mm-hmm. and just kind of do the shops and just hang out. If it's a tulip time, obviously we hit the we hit the tulip fields. Uh, but uh, and then if it's some of my fishing buddies, it's straight out hit the boat and hit the river, hit a lake, <clears throat> hit out in the sound. You yeah. know, depending on what season it is. 
but it usually involves, you know, um, some kind of food. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times when I have friends come, we'll just grab a bunch of food, head back to my house, or my folks have a, have a nice place for having large gatherings, so we'll head over there and just start cooking <clears throat> up a bunch of food. Nice. All right. Uh, Who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Uh, trying to think. Well, if you get Coach Holmgren on, Mike Holmgren, I know oh, he okay. has a place on the island. Uh, he's come in a few times. and is a, uh, I've sat and talked with him for a couple hours, and he's a great guy. Just a nice, nice guy down to earth, you know. Doesn't, uh, you wouldn't know he's as famous as he is kind of guy. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed time with him. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is around here. Maybe some of our teachers in our schools, you know, we've mm-hmm. had some, uh, we've been lucky, uh, Olivia, I have, um, one of our workers, her dad's a, been a longtime principal in Stanley, Mr. Hanzelli, and my okay. son, my son went, was his principal, and he's a, he's a really interesting guy, you know, he's been in Stanwood for years and does an excellent job. Nice. Very cool. All right. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20 year old self? Probably just to enjoy more when I was younger. You know, sometimes you were just always not taking the time to look around and enjoy what was happening and yeah, step back and, wow, this is pretty neat. You know, I guess as you get older, you you realize those moments where you just step back and it can be just small stuff and be like, wow, that, that, was, that was neat, you know, like, yeah getting together my son turned 17 on sunday so we got together had dinner with my parents and just those kind of times you know where you realize like these are these are great times you know and i think when you're younger you just are so focused in on yourself and you know just trying to do whatever you're up to yeah you just forget to like hey take a step back and just look around your surroundings and enjoy the friends your family just life in general yeah you know yeah Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Well, I thank you, Brandon. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Brian Morrison for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to CaminoCommons.com slash podcast. That's CaminoCommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.